Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Today is Thursday, the 10th of June, and this is Here First from IPR News. I'm Julie Englander. Iowa's largest drinking water utility says it has started operation of its nitrate removal facility this week. IPR's Natalie Krebs reports that's because nitrate levels in raw water sources have increased. The last time Des Moines Water Works had to use its nitrate removal facility was in 2017. Ted Corrigan, the CEO and general manager of the water utility, says this year's rainy spring is to blame, as it's washed nitrates off the land and into Iowa's streams, lakes, and rivers. Corrigan says running the facility can be a significant expense that's passed on to ratepayers. The cost of running the facility can be as high as $10,000 a day, and that includes everything from labor to power to chemicals to the fee that we have to pay to WRA to send the waste stream to them for, for treatment. Corrigan says the treatment facility will likely run for several weeks, but he says employees are carefully monitoring the situation and the water remains safe to drink. The impact of the COVID-19 pandemic was seen in student achievement, according to figures shared yesterday with the State Board of Education. Most grades lost ground on math test scores last year compared to pre-pandemic levels. It also shows when examining racial and economic disparities in student scores. Black and Hispanic students narrowed the gap in math compared to white students in several grade levels. But in most cases, that was because white students' scores fell farther than others. Iowa schools continue to grow more diverse. 27 percent of the children at public schools across the state were students of color, compared to 10 percent two decades ago. A handful of protest marches calling for action on gun-related legislation in Iowa is taking place today and tomorrow in six cities across the state. IPR's Tony Sarabia has details. The nonprofit youth focused group March for Our Lives Iowa is behind the series of marches. Isha Bolar is the group's executive state director. She says the first priority is to drum up opposition to a pro gun constitutional amendment that will appear on the November election ballot. If this amendment does get passed, it makes gun violence prevention essentially impossible in our state. So uh, our recommendations are for voters to go out there and vote no. A yes vote on the Iowa Right to Bear Arms Amendment would require courts to use the highest standard of judicial review when evaluating the constitutionality of gun laws. Marches take place in Des Moines, Ames, Iowa City, Storm Lake, Cedar Rapids, and Davenport. One of the largest employers in Clinton is celebrating its anniversary. Wednesday, the governor and other officials joined Archer Daniels Midland leaders in marking 40 years since the company bought a corn processing plant from Nabisco. Plant manager Eric Fastnut says ADM has significantly expanded the plant. It currently processes 350,000 bushels of corn a day from local farmers and elevators. Separate the, the corn kernel into its fractions. We make different kinds of liquid corn sweeteners, uh, dry starches, crystalline sugars, uh, feed components that go out to the animal food or feed industry. 
Currently, there are about 1,000 ADM and contract workers in the plant each day. It's Clinton's area's second-largest employer. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Julie Englander. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. Bison were hunted to near extinction at the same time as the European cow was brought to the Americas. Cattle quickly became the most dominant meat eaten here. But as Harvest Public Media's Jonathan All reports, combining those two breeds into something better is a niche market that some hope becomes more widespread. The farmer's market in Rolla, Missouri, is pretty typical of those in the Midwest. You can buy beef pork, eggs, vegetables, and baked goods that are grown and made nearby. But one stand sells something different, beefalo. Shopper Vicki Gustavuson is a fan. It's a bit leaner, so I think it's more healthy for us. Tastes good. We sometimes cook it in the crock pot, a roast, and uh, it comes up nice and tender every time. Beefalo is exactly what it sounds like, part beef, part buffalo. And the meat available at the Rolla Farmer's Market comes from the farm of Andrew and Kelly Deach. About 25 female beefalo, most with a calf nearby, are grazing on the 650-acre A&K Ranch in south-central Missouri. They look a lot like regular cows, but their hair is a little longer and they look a touch bigger in the shoulders. Kelly Deach says these animals combine the best of both worlds. And as we like to say, they, when they created beefalo, they bred out the meanness but kept the leanness of the bison, so kept the good qualities of, of the bison. And beefalo were definitely created. While there was some unintentional crossbreeding when European cows got into buffalo herds in the 17th and 18th centuries, it wasn't until the 1970s that a reliable, fertile crossbreed was produced. The intent was to get the lean meat of bison into an animal that could be raised as easily as a cow. And the magic number of 37.5% bison was found. Andrew Deach used to raise cattle, but finds the beefalo much easier and more enjoyable. I mean, they all have different personalities, and you, know, you can tell them apart because of their colors and such like. But when you have a field of Angus out there, it's hard to tell. You know? I just like doing the beefalo because um, they're a lot easier to work with. The U.S. Department of Agriculture certified beefalo as having higher vitamin levels, nearly a third less cholesterol, and 79% less fat than conventional beef. John Fowler raises beefalo in northern Missouri and is on the board of the American Beefalo Association. He says it's a superior animal, the biggest hurdle, getting ranchers to start raising them. If I can, can get a person who has a uh, crossbred herd and put a beefalo bull in his herd and then him eat some of the meat, uh, he sold. Uh, he'll, he'll want to produce the beefalo. But beefalo does have its opponents. We just don't really think that there should be beefalo. Martha McFarland works for the advocacy group Practical Farmers of Iowa. She also raises cattle and bison, but would never mix the two. She says nature did just fine producing bison, an excellent animal that's also good to eat. But she does empathize with beefalo producers. As a bison and specialty beef producer herself, she knows trying to sell a niche meat is difficult. 
a lot of times there it's hard to find that like middleman to get my meat into the grocery store. I'm not part of this huge mechanized system. My challenge is your average consumer wants to just like go to the grocery store and pick up some food and be done with it. Beefalo isn't in many grocery stores, and it's primarily sold online or at farmer's markets. It also costs more than beef, largely because it comes from small producers. But breeders like Andrew Deach are still optimistic about the future of the specialty meat. He credits new leadership at the American Beefalo Association. They've got some new people in there who have really good ideas, and they're reaching out there. They have a Facebook page, um, and you can find beefalo all over the country. Deach says while he and his wife enjoy selling their product at three farmers markets, they're really excited by the prospect of getting more ranchers interested in beefalo. I'm Jonathan All, Harvest Public Media. The story comes to us from Harvest Public Media, a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including Iowa Public Radio. It reports on food systems, agriculture, and rural issues. Follow Harvest on Twitter at HarvestPM. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Julie Englander. 